Welcome to Renewal, the podcast. I'm your host, Lawson Hannaford. Uh, This is season one of our podcast, looking at renewal and how the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives from the inside out, from the local church to the community, to our cities and to the greater world. We're looking at the history of uh, revivals. We're looking at the biblical view of revivals and how it starts here and now with us as God's Welcome to Renewal the Podcast, Season 1, Episode 7. We're here with Pastor Luke Watts to talk about renewal in the family. This week, as we uh, explored last week, how personal renewal happens uh, with our interview with Pastor Graham Smith. Now we're looking at the family dynamic and how we can find renewal, uh, a gospel-centered family dynamic in the home. And so welcome, Luke, to the show. Thank you very much. Luke, uh, I'd love to, um, as, we, as we come and consider this uh, topic, I want to hear about your experience uh, of renewal in, as you grew up in the family. I, I know you, can, you come from a Christian home. Uh, you, uh, your dad as a pastor. So you've had a, a bit of this experience yourself. Uh, but, and then we'll get to talking about uh, the biblical um, renewal in the family dynamic um, how that looks like in the church and then how that might look personally because there's a complex topic and there's probably mm. a lot of things that we can cover. But, Luke, can we, um, before we get to those things, you're, you're a dad, uh, you're, you're married, you have your own family. Uh, who are they and, yep. um, and, what are you, and what are you doing with yourself at the moment? Uh, yes, I am married uh, to Rachel. been married nearly 10 years. Uh, we have two boys, uh, Sam's nearly six uh, Lockie's one and a half, and at the moment I am community pastor here at City Reach Marion, and part of that role is uh, overlooking or overseeing the um, children's and families ministry. So that encompasses uh, a fair bit of what you know, I've been putting a lot of thought into these sorts of topics uh, the last few years. It's, I've been here at this church, but especially now taking on that role this year. Um, so that involves you know Sunday ministry. Uh, Sunday school, as it's sometimes called, kids' church, uh, running uh, an outreach as well, kids' club yeah, yeah. Uh, during the week, as well as just you know, thinking about how to engage older kids uh, in our church as well. So we don't have a formal youth group as yet, but you know, how, how do we engage age appropriately, I suppose, is, is one way of looking at it, as well as um, thinking through ways and trying to support families with resources about how they can uh, you know, get the gospel into the hearts of their children. I suppose is, that's how I would see my role uh, for the most part mm. as, as a children's and families ministry leader and, yeah, engaging with the community both within the church and outside okay. the church. Yeah. Yep, yep. So you also come into this role as a sort of from a, a, a teaching leadership uh, perspective but you're someone who has um, been part of a Christian home Growing up, and what a privilege that is! Mm. Can, can you talk about uh, the first time you understood, as a, a child or a teenager, when it wasn't just about you doing good things for God or being sort of religious, but actually God cared about you personally and and the dynamics of grace that that He 
you know, sent his son for you, he died for you, he rose from the dead for mm-hmm. you, and not by anything that you've done, but just by his, uh, you know, his uh, love and concern for you that he would do those things. So ooh, how did that arise? There's probably a couple of points or areas to speak into about that. Again, growing up in a Christian home and also having Christian grandparents, so there's the heritage there that I definitely do not take for granted. Um, but so the gospel was always clear in that sense. It was never, it was never a matter of me trying to figure out that if I had to be good or not to get into heaven. There was always an awareness of no Christ has done all that is necessary. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was never, there was never the battle to do good in order to be accepted. Um, when I look back on things, the gospel was always presented, whether that was in their home, whether it was in our church. Uh, whether it was in the kids' club program that we were part of called Gospel Club. Like there was, I was part of that. It's since in the I name. Was, it's in the name. It was in the very identity, I think, of my parents. That Yeah, there was nothing that pushed um, works, I suppose, as you call it, in order to be good and be accepted by God. All of us knew the only way we're accepted was through Jesus. But knowing that uh, intellectually, I suppose, even from a young age, you can know these truths, but when do you actually start living it? It's probably, for me personally, when I look and the back, biblical yeah. model for that is goes head, heart, action, mm. and and so at some point, uh, whatever you are learning uh, as a child, it, it must sort of infuse into your heart and then produce spiritual fruit. You know, that's what yeah. Jesus talks about, doesn't he? That, that, that there's a pattern there. You know, a good tree will produce good fruit. Well, it, a, a tree doesn't just magically produce fruit. It it, it, it draws on nutrients, it, it, it draws on water, draws on the environment around it, and then it produces fruit. Yeah, and I think for me there was, there was never a doubt about, you know, existence of God and the way he'd made a way for us to come to him through Jesus, his son, or the fact that Jesus had given his life and all those sorts of things. There was never a doubt in my mind that that was all true. Mm. It was just whether it was true for me. Yes. Um, and yeah. whether that was something that I was worthy of at certain stages of life. Right. Um, so I think there's, there's that, I think as a teenager there was a moment uh, listening to a sermon by a great guy that I deeply respect and strong Northern, Northern Irish accent, so I won't do that. But he was preaching on uh, the time when Jesus's brothers and sisters came to see him when he was beginning his ministry. Yeah. And they were trying to get him home and take him away and say, you know, you've gone nuts. But Jesus had looked around and said, his disciples were saying, your mother and brother are outside to see you. He said, no, my mother and brother are those who hear my word and, 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 and do, do it. Some, something along those lines. Yeah. It was a, hearing a sermon on that um, from Robert that I think initially in my teenage it's like, okay, it's not just hearing it. I actually need to put this into action. And there was a few things in my life. At that, even at that point, I think I was 15, I was like, okay, there's a few things here I need to cut out of my life and start living like I believe this rather than just living like it's something nice. <laughs> it's something nice to know but not something that I'm living out. And, and so the difference between knowing something and doing something, uh, like the, the, um, the internal thing is there's a heart change because there's an orientation. You realise if you know things but you're not doing them, something is wrong. Yeah, and it's, yeah. If, if there's no obedience and there's, you know, 
what is it? It's just empty words. It's empty. It's an empty life in yes. a way. Um, so all the knowledge in the world won't save you. But do you have a relationship with God as your loving Heavenly Father? I think that's what hit to me. Right. And even years later, um, certainly wasn't perfection <laughs> from that point on in, from when I was about 15, but even into my mid-20s after having a few life mistakes, um, as, as everyone does. But I think it was a period in life where I'd, I'd stuffed up pretty bad and I was pretty sure that I wasn't worthy of God's love. So the renewal, I think, in that time came when... I was reading Psalm 139, I remember it fairly distinctly because I was reflecting on the words of a song, actually, um, about God's love, um, that he had always loved us uh, and always loved me. Even, even before when I was we born. were unworthy. Even when we were unworthy, but even before I was born. Mm. And Psalm 139 talks about, you know, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, you know, all our days were written out before God, all those sorts of things that Psalms 139 speak of so wonderfully. Yeah. God saw everything I'd ever do and still gave me life. And in that moment, I was like, okay, that was when I think I look back on and go, that was a true moment of renewal, personal renewal. Um, but that came, I think, from a foundation of knowing truth. Mm. But then if the truth was applied, it's like I know God loves me. It's yes. not just that he loves someone, but he loved me and sent his son for me. And I think the awareness of that um, definitely like, brought about a, a real new world. I wouldn't say I was fired up, but it certainly realigned my heart in so many ways Yeah, uh, back to the path I believe God uh, would have me on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your family dynamic, because uh, your family and church dynamic were very closely interlinked. Yeah. Can, can you explain that? Because, again, that's a fairly unique privilege. You're part of a small you know, uh, church that was made up by a lot of your family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I grew up you know, in a church uh, where Dad was the main teaching sort of elder um, and there was always others around, but Dad was the the main one and just a, a constant uh, stability of... You know, integrity and faithfulness in the word and um, his his impact in the community. It's still it's still there as, as far as just the longevity of the ministry that they've had. And that's, that was a great blessing to look back on now and probably as a kid didn't recognise. But being a small yes. church with just my family, maybe one or two other families and a couple of others joining over the years, it, it was always small, which made it... Uh, I don't, I don't know any different. So it's not like I look back and wish for something else. I, I don't. Um, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> that I had what I had because I think it instilled a lot of things yeah, yeah. in us children that made us put our faith into practice a lot more. We were naturally, you serve more in the church when the church is smaller. You naturally do more things in the local community when your church is smaller. So you're active you know, and you're following. And for us, we were following examples of our parents. Um, that they were so active in the community and sharing their faith and sharing their home and generosity to others that it just naturally flowed that we would uh, tag, not just tag along but do it with them. So yeah. it, there's, a, there's a lot of things going on there. They, they talk about pastors, kids, and, and um, my dad was a pastor as well. So uh, they talk about pastors, kids sort of going either way, being rebellious or a goody two-shoes. But one of the... 
one of the um, unique insights you have of being a pastor's kids is you see someone in the pulpit essentially telling other people how to be Christians and, mm. and declaring the, the, the gospel, and, and but also then living it in the home. And yours is probably magnified because a lot of, like being a small church with, with family plus a few others, uh, that was a lot of what you saw. And, yeah. and, and so all these things are, are together bunched up um, to a an observation uh, of not just, as we've said so far, knowing the right things but living it yeah. out and, and that, that must come through the heart. Yeah. And, and that was on display. Um, prob- and again, like I said, as a kid you don't know it. You're just doing it um, and you're going along with well, – you don't know any different. But looking back, uh, especially these days, you gain an appreciation for the sacrifices parents make and, and I look back at the sacrifices my parents have made and still make in, in some senses um, as they're still serving all of us and their grandchildren and the broader community still and still sharing the gospel unashamedly uh, where they are. So you, I look back at that and go, it's, that was a blessing to be raised in that environment. You know, it's not that they were perfect and they'll be the first to admit that they didn't get everything right. But again, they had six kids who... Um, whom they raised, you know, in the instruction of the Lord and in the instruction of the gospel. And they did that, I think, under God's grace um, with with consistency. Mm. And I think that's the consistency not just in the words they spoke but in the lives they lived. Um, yes, so yeah. yeah. And, and we realised that more and more in hindsight how formed we were as children by the examples of those around us. Absolutely, yeah. One of the things that I've been considering through this podcast has been on the one hand we've got, um, I guess, the the staples which we all need. We think of sort of, you know, biblical instruction, good good examples, uh, a a good grasp on the gospel, living that out in practice, all these kinds of things. And yet many people, you know, get all the ingredients but they don't get the cake. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can you can put all these ingredients together and yet you, you don't get a good tasting cake at the end of it. And and so it, it, there's more than just putting in particular ingredients in a sense. You know, as as a chef, you've got to rightly order those things. And, you know, you've got to put it in the oven for a certain amount of time. You know, you have to have a certain amount of fine-tuned experience. Now, I, I use the metaphor of the, the cake a little bit as a, as a joke, but also to say something more must go on in the family when it comes to renewal because I know plenty of people who have grown up in Christian yeah. households, have heard the right things, and yet they themselves uh, know that things aren't as they should be. Mm. You know, it, Not only in their own lives but even in their parents' lives. That, that there's a sense in which God's like the truth of his presence and knowing a, a fullness of joy in the Holy Spirit isn't there, though that's what we see in the Bible. And so I'd like to, I guess, get to how do we get there? Mm-hmm. Um, because, and not all of it's like, you know, flashy, right? There's a lot of weak, weak I mean, and we know parenting is not flashy. So, so but both of us being parents of, with young children, we know parenting is not flashy. But, 
We want to produce young disciples of Jesus who thoroughly love him, live for him, but have some of that kind of fire that, mm. that you caught at a point where you realise, uh, you know, though you weren't worthy of God's grace, that's kind of the point. And when you realise that's the point, I think that's where the penny drops and that's when something comes alive that wasn't there before. So grace is really at the centre of the gospel. Look, you've done a lot of work and study um, on so that how biblically we ought to think about uh, family renewal. And, and that is really coming back to the heart of who God is and how he cares about his people and, and the gospel itself. Can you e- explain a bit about how we should think through renewal in the family from a biblical perspective? Yeah, I think we really define the terms. So when you're thinking of um, families, obviously families come in all shapes and, and sizes. There's, you know, there's family units that um, don't necessarily have children, but I don't think that um, excludes them from having gospel renewal in their homes and their families. Or from uh, seeking to, to to seek the gospel, being instilled in children that are around them. But yeah, it's all part of a big sort of like family in the sense of the church is a family. Yes, yeah. And you think of the church. We so often think of it corporately when we gather on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's that's a great thing. I think the gathering of people together to worship God is is where we should find family. Mm. That, that that church should be a, a great <laughs> priority. Uh, for all families to get to um, because worship of God, I think, is is essential to renewal in the family. And I think biblically... Like corporate worship. And corporate, corporate worship in, in that sense. I mean, home worship as well, and private worship, all those things are important. But when we're wor- worshipping corporately as a family with other people and with other families, that, I think, naturally makes it real. Like, it makes it makes us accountable to one another, uh, we're meeting together, we're being obedient to scripture. But it also just instills in any children in those families, okay, um, I've got peers, I've got people who support, I've got uh, others around me and I've got other adults inputting into my life. It's not just mum and dad. It's, it's you know, the other family over there that we meet with regularly and we see them regularly and they you know, we have the same belief and when we're sharing those together. So renewal, I think, is is when a lot of people are pulling together with the same goal in mind, and that goal can just be something probably in the one goal that that Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father, that you know, go into all the world um, and preach the gospel. Yeah, because the Bible talks about like not neglecting to meet together, as some have done, but rather, you know, stir one another up to love and good works. Yes. Implication being uh, you won't be able to be stirred up to love and good works if you're apart from others because there's no one to stir you. Mm. Like by the very aspect of meeting together in the worship of God, you have other people who can encourage you. And and so the very essence of Christianity, it's not a solo thing. It's a a thing that we do as part of and using our... Terminology, yeah. a, f- a bigger family, a, a church family. And I think speaking to that now, because that's our context now uh, in this day and age, we have the church as a corporate meeting of yes. the believers. Biblically, I think we see the example right from the very beginning of God's people of Israel when everything was 
uh, when they're instituting various uh, observances or when they're receiving the law or when they're entering the promised land. There's these patterns that we see over and over where where families are instructed. When your children ask, why are you doing these things? Here's the response to give them. Here's the... Here's what you say. Um, it, it's so the generations can continue to know God, to know his uh, saving power, so they can know that he's a promise-keeping God, he's a covenant-keeping God. And corporately, Israel followed that pattern. Like there, was, there was instructions for parents um, to, to be ready with an answer for their children about why they follow God, why do they listen to the statues of God. Why do we make these observances? Why do we worship? And there's all these things laid down, like where it's really it's corporate in the sense of a whole nation, but the whole nation is a nation of families, and mm. and they all gather to with one goal in mind that they would be a people formed to represent God in this world. And I think it's it carries over for us as believers even in this day and age. But there's, there's much more probably to dig into those Old Testament passages as well. So. I think there is a strong connection then between uh, renewal in the family and being a, an intricate part of the community because the assumption, and, and we're speaking about Deuteronomy 6, uh, you know, that when your children ask, uh, you will tell them. Mm. And, you know, it says you'll teach diligently your children, you know, all these different times, um, these statutes and, and you know, aspects of God's grace and law. But you're not going to... If the family wasn't like participating in the Passover, well, then they've got the children aren't going to ask any questions, no. are they? Yeah. And, and, yep. and you can draw then a direct connection. Well, if your family's not here like, at, at church for, for the preaching of God's word and to participate in communion, for example, mm, which is, yeah. a, I guess, our a, 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 a equivalent ceremony, the children aren't going to ask. No. And and so they're not going to have exposure to actually. This is what God's people do. They gather Him. They worship God, and that then forms them. The rest of their time. So, uh, uh, part of the picture of family renewal is uh, to to use a very simple term: church attendance. You've got to be part of a community, a, a, a local church, regularly. Because how else do we um, f- fulfil the the context in which these commands are given to instruct our children? It's always in the context of Christian or like uh, God, the community of God's people. Yeah. That said, I think it still needs to be the step back. There must be a personal experience of God's saving power and promise-keeping in the life of the parents as well. That's the biblical model we have as much as there's the corporate um, dimension with Israel and with the church, there's also direct instructions for parents to have personal interactions. Whether Joshua Falls is a good example, where, um, where the people of Israel are crossing into the Promised Land and they cross the Jordan River and they're instructed to take the 12 stones from the riverbed and make a monument um, on the other side of the river once all the people have crossed safely. And they set up these 12 stones and Joshua Fortis repeats several times, this is for the children because children ask, what do these stones mean? Mm. And then the parents are to instruct them, well, this reminds us that God has brought us to this. He brought us out of Egypt. 
yes. uh, the land of slavery. He's, he's brought us here, brought us through the Red Sea, brought us through the wilderness, brought us into the promised land. And he's done all that for us. We were there. We experienced these things and our parents experienced these things and God has been faithful and he's been sure and he's been faithful and sure to us. He has saved us. So I think it's there must be a personal experience that leads to the corporate experience. Otherwise there's going to be a disconnect where... And kids, kids, you can't bluff them uh, when it comes yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah, that's like right. It's, if there's a disconnect, they'll, they'll see it. If there's an inconsistency between what mum and dad are doing at home and the things they do at church, yes, the, they're going to pick up on that. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've got two aspects then. We've got the the corporate aspect and the personal aspect, and, and they really should go hand in hand. So, if you want, like, if you're a parent, you want your child's faith to flourish, you look in the mirror and go, "Well, where's your personal faith at?" Because yeah. that, like, if 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 you're um, relationship with God is in your head but not in your heart, then it won't be producing your actions and towards your children. Uh, I've, I've learned, um, I, I sort of do a bit of coaching and, and, and mentoring with, with various people and I've, I've learned to ask different questions than I used to uh, with people. So I, I used to ask, you know, how's your Bible reading going mm-hmm. or how's your prayer life? Now, they're easy questions to give answers to because I yes, no, it's measurable and if you do them, you know, you're a righteous person. But that's it. And, and the, when I ask those questions, that's actually not what I want to get to because I know from my own experience, I can read the Bible and pray a lot, but uh, it, it's not, it's just doing the religious things rather than truly connecting with God. So I've, I've learned to ask the question how's your inner life going? How's the sweetness of you know, the grace of Jesus filling your heart? You know, are you repenting for, for, for your sins and treasuring the grace that, that, that Christ has given you? Because it's a different question. It's not about what you're doing, but it's about are you experiencing the gospel now? And I think that's all the more true that we can, um, you know, be turning up to church a lot, uh, but then if, if it's not coming through in the rest of our lives, our children are going to see us as hypocrites, as, as parents, um, just thinking through that dynamic. And or if, if we claim to have a personal faith but we don't turn up to church, well, then the, the, the children will have a very individualistic, localised view and it'll be very inconsistent and it will be blinded because one of the beautiful things about community is you actually... Uh, all your blind spots are exposed. Mm -hmm. And so you become a much uh, well-rounded disciple. Whereas if if you aren't consistent with church, you're going to miss being stirred up to love and good works. Yeah, and like you said, the personal experience carries over to the corporate. But I guess it's how do you live your faith out generally? And it's not just on Sundays. Uh, and it's not just when you're around other Christians. Uh, it's, it's not just when you're doing a family devotional. You know, it's you know, are your children, is your home one where there is a hunger and thirst for the things of God or a desire to be hungry and thirsty? Because sometimes, you know, yes. to be honest, you're not always, you know, again, parents of small children, you don't, don't always have that drive. There might be a bit of lack of sleep. There might be a lack of energy. 
Um, there might be a lack of motivation at certain points. But, but it starts there, with God himself, doesn't yeah, it? Is, yeah. is there a hunger to be hungry? Like, Is, is yeah. there something that your kids can say actually... It's not just that I observed dad and mum praying or reading the Bible or, or in worship at home and at church, but actually, do they seem to enjoy it or do they want to do it? Do they make it a priority? Yeah. Um, yeah how, how's their attitude? What, how do they treat the Bible? Um, how, how do they approach prayer? And, and how do they approach others as well? How do they, and that probably goes, opens up another conversation, but how do they speak of others? Because um, it's one thing to go to church and have a corporate experience of a family being church attenders or um, being associated with church or to say you've got a personal experience, but is it being lived out? You know, what, what is happening in your life that shows you have a hunger or that you're hungry to be hungry or that you've even got something to share with others um, out of the abundance that you've been given? But those are all things I look back on and see in my parents' lives, still see, and, and hope and pray that, that that's a, a legacy that I think many parents should have, including myself, that we could that we could say, yeah, there's, there's a consistency. They're not a perfection. Um, we're not going to be perfect in this world, but there is a great um, aim of being like, yeah, what else can we do to live this out, not just keep it head, head knowledge and some sort of ritual routine. Yeah, and we see this beautifully reflected by Jesus because he said, let the little children come to me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus welcomes little children into relationship with him. And so he's both our model in that we don't forget about children. We actually focus on children. Uh, we have a special place for them. Jesus said, no, woe to you if you cause one of my little ones to sin. Better that you have a millstone tied around your neck and mm-hmm. thrown into a river. So, so you're actually... He's very protective of children. He's very uh, concerned uh, that they would come to him and he welcomes them in. And so we have this this model that God loves and cares about children and he wants us to be focused on. So, you know, um, there was a, a saying of a previous era, children to be seen and not heard. It's not like mm-hmm. that with Jesus. No. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, there's an important lesson for churches in general um, to think about how we minister to families and how we minister to children because so often we, we can spend a lot of time and energy about how do we get kids out of a worship service. Um, where if, we, if we spend as much time and energy on how, to, well, how do we keep them in, how do we keep families together in a worship service, I think that would have more fruit in many ways. Um, it certainly takes intentionality. Um, but there, yeah, I, I suppose I grew up in a church as well, small church. We did we did Sunday school, as we call it, before or after church. It was still age-appropriate teaching, but we did it before or after, not during. Um, so I didn't grow up with that. So entering churches uh, when I sort of became an adult and seeing kids sent out was a foreign thing. Well, well, it is a fairly new phenomenon as far as the church corporate goes. Like this has only really been the last one to 200 years. And and really during the Sunday school revival, uh, 50s, 1950s and 60s, where was where this began to take off that uh, 
families would be separated during corporate worship rather than together. Now, we get that there's a lot of practical aspects to it, mm-hmm. but yeah, perhaps it has it has gone too far. I do I do want to get to in a minute the um, I guess the outworkings in the church because I, I think we've got, we've got some interesting things to discuss there, uh, but particularly around how some of that's been um, outsourced. I guess to, just to, just a recap on a biblical view. So it's both personal renewal, as in like parents have to know and believe the things that they're talking about. So yeah. if, if you're wondering, like, where do I start with renewal in my family? Well, it's really the same thing that we've been saying every week in the podcast. It starts with you. And it starts with you renewing in your trust in, in, in the work and grace of Jesus Christ and, and renewing your own uh, faith in him as, as we looked at last uh, episode with um, personal renewal. That's one aspect. And another is being a, a vital part of the local church and, and actually turning up and being a part of communion, witnessing baptism, having, having your children actually observing uh, the ordinary in and out life of the church. And an overflow of both of those things is, well, what does this look like in your life? Are, are you bearing fruit? Are you putting it in practice? And if not, then come back to the first two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing that that's really clear here is that there's a message to be passed on and it isn't to be, and this is where we'll get to the church, it isn't to be um, handballed, to use an Australian colloquialism, that is passed to someone else, isn't be handballed to um, you know, the state or the church. It actually is the responsibility of ideally the parents is to make disciples of their children. Now, that's not always possible for various reasons, but that's the idea and, and that's the norm and focus. So when we think about then renewal for the family when it comes to how does, how does the church corporate be involved in that, we've got a couple of problems. So historically we've seen uh, uh, probably two things happen in the last 500 years and more over the last century. One is schooling. Now, public schooling is a Christian invention. It actually was was church schools. Uh, was the And then actually Christians did it because they wanted children to be able to read the Bible. And so they taught them how to read and, and they taught them language skills and, you know, and that sort of blossomed into general education. So ordinarily schooling would happen in the home. Now it's moved to sort of a it was church-based education and now the state has sort of taken that over. That, though, has led to the mindset that in the um, church we hand over the Christian education of our children to the church corporate and its leaders and pastors and whoever else. And we say, well, you know, within an hour of Sunday school once a week, or, or a kids' club uh, as well on a, on a Friday afternoon, so maybe two, two and a half hours a week, our children are expected to grow up to, to be good disciples with little to no effort from the parents. And, and, and that's a very common story. Or maybe we'll read them a bedtime story about Jesus from time to time. And again, that's not God's model. If you're the primary uh, discipler of your children as a parent, then you can't outsource it to the state and of course the state wouldn't do that in Australia anyway they'd teach them the, the opposite mm. <laughs> don't do that <laughs> don't expect the state to teach your children about God um, but moreover uh, you can't outsource it to the church the church has a part to play but um, it's only a part so 
Luke, can you speak to what is the part the church has to play and then where have we gone wrong and where should we be headed when it comes to the church and uh, making disciples of, of young people? I think the whole call of the church is to make disciples. So that applies general. in general. So that, that is that's a blanket rule to all peoples of all ages um, where the church must be doing intentionally intentional things to reach as many as possible uh, with the truth of the gospel. That is, that is the call of the church, to follow and be obedient to Christ's command. Um, so th- that's... that's th- so I've forgotten all the parts of your question now, but that's probably the... It was the a very right. long uh, question with a big introduction. So l- l- let, me, let me restate it. Uh, what part should the church have uh, in like church corporate we're talking yes, about yeah, now, yeah. Uh, in the formation of children as disciples and, and, and to produce family renewal uh, and where has it gone wrong and so, and, and actually um, taken... or, or and, and this is probably in the perspective not just of the church but of parents themselves and, and uh, where has it gone wrong in uh, expecting too much from you know a, a service and a kids' club? Yeah. I think the responsibility is there to make disciples and we I think we should in as much as we can do things age-appropriately so children at various ages can be explained things in a way that they can understand. But the church's role, as I view it anyway, is to supplement what the parents are giving. Um, I've explained that to people at certain points when they've asked about something or uh, a curriculum that we use on Sunday, for example, is very gospel-focused, which I think everything should be. But some go, you know, you know, they want to go a bit deeper. You know, what about this, these tricky issues? We want our kids thinking through this and we want you know, a bit of this over here and a bit of that over there. So, no, we're here to supplement what they get at home. If you feel there's something you really want your children to grasp, teach them. Um, you know, open up scriptures with them yourselves and, and really dig into it. Um, we're, as a church, I think, responsible to share the gospel and to teach children what scripture is and who God is and the, the really, um, I suppose, if I can term it as a surface uh, level introduction to, to, to theology in general but also Christianity in general, applying that well and applying that age appropriately but never trying to teach them every single thing they need to know in life. That's, the parents need to be applying that and teaching that in the home, you know, Ephesians 6 and other instructions in Scripture but um, about you know, bringing your children up in the nurture and admiration of the Lord, that's, that's on parents. Um, and as much as the church is here to assist and supplement that, that's not the role of the church. Um, yeah, I don't know if that sort of... Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And, and if, uh, I guess if it's true for the adult, that is... If, if you think that just by attending church once a week you're going to grow significantly and actually experience renewal, it's not enough. No. But because, you know, you spend uh, the other 100 plus hours of your week doing all sorts of other things, uh, how, like the, the ratio is, is, is way out of whack. Now, God uh, blesses us enormously in a short space of time. It can really change us in our seats, as Tim Keller would say, mm-hmm. through um, uh, through the preaching of his word and, and, and the gathering for worship and the prayers. 
uh, and communion and the like. But uh, much more must go on and, and certainly that's the, the, the case for children. Yeah, and I suppose if you turn in a way of diet, um, you're not going to eat all your food in one day of the week. You could, but it's you know, probably not. You're not going to be hungry though. It's, it's, I mean, yeah. come Monday morning. Or, or, you, or you'll fill up your desires with other things. Ah, uh, yes. And, and in the sense of children especially, you can't expect there just to be one download per week <laughs> that satisfies all they need for their spiritual lives. Um, and I say that to myself as a parent. I can't just rely on my children, the one that can comprehend anyway what's going on and worship of, of just seeing something once a week and hearing something once a week and for that to be sufficient. Now, this is where I think Deuteronomy 6 uh comes into play because it says, talking about uh, the words that are commanded, it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children, this is uh, 6 verse 7, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as front of between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. So in plain speech, do it all the time. Yeah. Because that's how pe- children learn. I mean, I mean ha- how, do, how do children learn how to speak? Through listening to their parents. And, and that's not going to be a one, one-off thing either. This is going to be a perpetual thing that parents are called yes. to do is to teach yeah. uh, and repetition of the things of God. Okay, so, so let's, let's consider this for a minute because um, I, I do want to get to well, what does it look like practically. There's uh, a few scenarios where this doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. Uh, what if you don't know what to do with your parents? Uh, sorry, if you're a parent and you don't know what to do with your children, like so, the question is, where do I start? It, again, if you have a Bible in front of you, start with that. You know, explain something to them. And often, uh, as we're teaching some of our um, seven, eight, nine-year-olds, we do a little Bible study occasionally with them in our kids' yeah, church. Yeah, we start at the very beginning. What's what's the Bible? Did you know there's lots of books? In so the just Bible? just start start. Start at the very beginning and by the beginning I'm even talking about the index. Like it's not, you know, what is the Bible? Well, it's God's yeah, word. Yeah. You know, it's God speaking to us. It's God I mean, revealing it's, himself to it's us. It's the same for anyone, yeah. I mean, like any Christian. Oh, where do you start? Well, read the Bible, talk to God. Yeah. <laughs> like, like where do we start with children? Same place. And it's, it's been used for 2,000 years. Yeah. And the biblical model, again, in Deuteronomy 6 you've mentioned, later in the passage it talks about, you know, uh, down verse 20, I think, when your son asks you in time to go, what's the meaning of these tests, these statues, these rules that our God yes, has commanded you? Yes, You shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. You know, we were delivered from bondage to slavery. And, and, and in, in a gospel sense, so we retell the gospel. Retell Why the gospel. Why do this? Because we're saved out of slavery to sin. And share your own story with your children. Yeah, that's um, great. So, so testimony, just picking up the Bible, p- praying. So actually just... One of the things, one of the gaps perhaps that we have as parents knowing where to start is just we don't start. Mm. Just do something. Yeah. And I think there's... there's open all, the Bible. There's all sorts of good resources you can get into, but the best one is just to open scriptures themselves. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's great resources in the sense of engaging kids. You know, there are apps and there are things you can do. Um, I certainly use them occasionally, but the best thing that I wanted my son to do is to sit... Even if we've looked at a verse somewhere, it's for him to look it up and read it yep. in the physical copy of the Bible. Yes. So he knows that it's there and that he can revisit it at some point. Yeah, and I think, I mean, and getting really practical for a minute, I, I've i seen a lot of like 
kids' Bibles and children devotional things. And one of the things that um, I was challenged by a few years ago was why do we dumb things down too much for children? Where like we actually speak to children in such a way we want them to lift, we want them to grow, we want them to mature. Now again, we've got to be age appropriate, right? Yeah. yeah. But also, children learn through repetition and through being stretched and growing, like everyone does. Mm-hmm. And just like the brand new Christian, when you pick up the Bible, you're not going to understand it that well, but you learn, you discover it. And when you're taught by others, they explain stuff as they go. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm not a huge fan of um, spending too much time with children in, in, in devotional books. And this is probably just true for general Christians. Too much time in devotional books or um, not that they're unhelpful, but again, they're supplementary Supplement, to the yeah. main thing, which is God's word itself and spending connecting with him through prayer. And this is something that I've practiced for several years now, really slowly. We started in Genesis or after Deuteronomy mm. with my kids. And, and, and uh, you know, we read through Leviticus together. I mean, we, we, we talked about the, the uncleanness from nocturnal emissions one week and I, I tried to get through that fast because I didn't want to explain it too much, to be honest. <laughs> no but question. the kids ask all sorts of questions, yeah. right? And, and, you know, some of them are age appropriate, some of them aren't, but it's God's word. And, yes. and, and you know, and so I've learned actually to um, spend time e- equally in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. So we're just, uh, we're just about to finish Matthew now as well. Yeah. And so we just small chunks sit down together as a family. Uh, we I open up the Bible, I read it, and because what I'm doing and what I want to see my children do is to learn to read the Bible for themselves in a week in, week out, see Christ in the text and pray in response because that's what I want them to do as adults. So mm-hmm. why would I not teach them that? And you know what? They do it. And I've got a three-year-old, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and they've been doing it for three, three or four years now. Um, some of them longer because they've been alive for longer than three or four years. And uh, it, it's, it's actually starting to, to bear fruit. They, 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 they know the stories, they understand it. And it's, it's been a tremendous encouragement. It's, it is hard, you're tired, but hey, it's, it's like 15 minutes a day. You know, no, I don't, we don't do it every day, but most days mm. is not that long in, yeah. in the scheme of things. Luke, one of the things that you and I, have talked about. Uh, oh, you go, yeah. Yeah, I think just a word of encouragement. As I, I know I've needed it at certain points. It's quick. You can quickly get overwhelmed with, okay, I need to do family worship. I need to do family devotions. Yes, I need yeah. to do this. I need to do that. I've got, don't know how to do it, don't know where to start. And everybody's context is different. You know, there's shift workers. There's, yes. there's single parents. Yes, there's, there's all sorts of things going on. Um, how recently... Um, been reading a book by Dave Murray called Reset, and a sort of examining how we often get overwhelmed in life, and with high standards, with high standards, and how we quite often a lot of cause for burnout and stress and that yep. sort of thing is, yep. is overwhelming ourselves with things we have to do. Yeah, some of these things are good things. But there's a verse in there that I just never read this way. But it's from Mark uh, 14, uh, where uh, Jesus is anointed at Bethany by. Um, by the woman with the alabaster flask. She yeah, comes to him and yeah, anoints him. Yeah. And there's a bit of condemnation of her and the money could have been sold to give the poor, etc. But Jesus has this wonderful phrase which I've taken to heart in the last couple of weeks. She's, leave her alone. Um, 
leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? It's a beautiful thing to do. But he goes on to say in verse 8, she's done what she could. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, this, this, the smallest amount, if that's all that you can do, yeah. do, do what you can. Yeah, start small. And, and if you don't feel like you have much to give, Jesus never asks us for us to give what we don't have. Mm. So, yeah, <laughs> I just want to encourage my own heart because I've needed that in certain points in trying to lead my children yeah. and my family. Yeah, that's great. But also knowing there's many contexts out there where some, some parents might only have access to their children once a fortnight, once a month. You know, yeah, in those families of and stuff. Scenarios. Yeah. Do what you can. Yeah. You know, Jesus looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the He knows what the motivation of the heart is. So be encouraged in that as well. Yeah, and I mean the, the principle of the widow's might, you know, she, she gave two cents and yet she gave more than all the others because yes. she gave all yeah. what she had. Yeah, one of the things that I've learned about myself is we're actually we're in the long haul with this. Mm. So if you have a big picture, starting small is good, but at least it's starting. So yeah. even five minutes once a week is a start, Absolutely. and and you build on it. One of the, one of the metaphors I like to lean on when I think about these things, because I think about this in in everything in, in personal prayer and devotion. If you start out saying I'm going to read the Bible every day for the rest of my life for an hour and pray for an hour, you're going to find it really hard starting mm-hmm. out at that high level. Just like at the gym, that's where the metaphor comes in. You don't start out lifting really heavy weights and, you know, being a super strong person at the beginning. You And if you do, you find you'll hurt yourself, you'll get really sore and you'll give up really quickly. You start small and you build slowly, but you have the long-term goal in mind. And God has an enormously long-term goal in terms mm-hmm. of forming people into adults, which takes time with parents, and, and forming generation after generation. This is what it's about. It's, it's a generational thing. People who love God and serve Him know the gospel from one generation to the next. So... Mm-hmm. Yes, so so let's put this into principles. One is do something. Uh, another is um, start small. So do something, but mm-hmm. start small. Open your Bible. One of the things, that, one of the other things that I do um, with with my kids is we uh, pray through the Lord's Prayer. Yep. most days. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about catechizing. So remind me be, um, before we finish to talk about that. But. Um, one of the things that I do with my kids is we pray through the Lord's Prayer in the mornings. So just Jesus developed us a daily prayer, told us mm. a daily, this is how you pray. So we do that. We actually Good. sing it. Yeah. I'm not going to sing it here because I'll be embarrassed. Oh, um, but, w- but we have a song. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to now. All right. <laughs> this is like an insight to. into it's my sense. family. All right, all right, this will take a couple of minutes. Okay. So really basically it goes, Thank you, Jesus, for a new day. We praise your holy name, our God and heavenly Father. So that's the start of it. So uh, again, it's make it songs are good for repetition. Yes, because yeah, people yeah. get it. Yeah. But also, that's the first part of the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. and then and then we say the same thing for the second part. Thank you, Jesus, for a new day. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. As in heaven, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we finish that out um, through, through each section, and then so I just do this in the car with my kids as mm. I'm driving them to school. All right, they all know the song. They also we all sing it together, and then on Mondays we'll we'll do the first part of the prayer, which is our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We'll praise God for who He is. 
The second day we will um, you know, ask for God's kingdom to come and his will to, uh, will to be done. So we'll ask for his, his, his gospel and kingdom work to advance mm-hmm. in our lives, the world and church. That's what we pray for. Third day we, are, we give thanks for um, the things that he gives us and we pray for our needs. Fourth day we ask for forgiveness for sins. Fifth day we, um, we ask for spiritual deliverance and for God to uh, lead us not to temptation. We just follow that pattern. Mm. It's really simple. It's on the way to something so you can do it anyway and it's a habit and a pattern. I've been doing it again for years now and I've just found it really, I guess, straightforward. But it's, again, it's forming mm. in children. We talk to Jesus every day. We follow the pattern uh, that he's given us. And we, we sing a lame song together as a family. <laughs> but, but, and, and lame as in um, like my, my musical mm. talent. Yeah, um, I don't but, think the recording studios are coming knocking for you. But. No. <laughs> That's right. But, but the actual um, the, the heart of it is like this is how I want them to pray forever. Absolutely. Like yeah. me. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's a, a powerful thing is to capture children's imaginations are broad ranging, but their memory is just so like it's amazing what they can retain. Yeah. For yeah. good and for bad. Um, both in what they observe but also in what they hear. And I think it's really, really important to <clears throat> to to use that. That is a gift from God that our children can learn, <laughs> that they can be so uh, shaped. Yeah, and we want to be sure we're shaping them into what God desires them to be. Um, and again, scripture memory just blows my mind how much a three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old can can retain they can whole passages yeah. and chapters of the Bible. You know, after a bit of repetition over a few weeks or even a couple of months, yeah. it's there and it's there for life. Um, I know that you know, personally, again, that's something my parents really, um, it sounds bad to say drilled in. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't a drill in as in do this or else, but it was a, it was a habit. It was like learn scripture. Yeah. So scripture memory I think is powerful. Yeah. And I think that's something that we can do because it helps us as well. Yeah. Definitely. As we're teaching our children to memorize these things, it's sinking into our hearts. Um, so I think, yeah, the pattern, you know, the Lord's Prayer, is is an age old um, thing that people have done for generations to teach yeah. their children. Yeah. And it instructs them in, again, in what Jesus has instructed how us how we should pray, but instructs them to call upon God as their heavenly Father. Yeah, it's a, it's a right orientation yeah. to Him. Yeah, and I I think. The caveat I'd put on getting kids to memorise things, and this is where catechisms probably come up, is while they're so form, so shapeable and so malleable, malleable, why don't we put scripture into them? Yeah, yeah. Not, not a prefill, um, just rote thing. Now, there's there's some good doctrines that we construct in children. And I've done minimalist ones even with my older son when he was a bit younger. And I think sometimes it can be helpful. But the reason I stopped doing it when I, was, when I realised how much he could retain when we tried to memorise scripture. So wouldn't I be better off investing in him scripture into his mind rather than some sort of just pre-fill what is, what's the answer to this question? Yes, what's again, the so, question? so there's a bit of like there's supplementary yeah. and there's primary again. Yes. We yeah. want them to be students of the word. Yeah. Right, um... Before we finish, 
there's a couple of, I guess, categories because we talked a lot about, I guess, a, a standard family dynamic um, where you might have one or, or both parents who are Christians and, and wanting to in, instruct their children. A uh, few scenarios for us. What if um, children come to church and the parents aren't Christians? So really all they're getting is... Yeah. And, and I think, church. We, yeah, uh, again, personal experience seeing how that's happened. Um, occasionally, even, you know, growing up or within our own church here. Again, that's that's where the corporate meeting just kicks into gear. That's where the body of Christ does the making of disciples. I think As in that that's where everyone is involved. That's where everyone's in, in, involved, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's, we should never look at it and go, oh, that's the kids' church, that's the, that's the kids' team, that's the children's ministry area. They'll, you know, they'll invest their time and they'll teach the, the children how to how to know what to do. No, the whole church has to be on board with and, making and disciples. And what would that look like practically for the whole church being involved in discipling of, of I think, children? I think an awareness that children are present. Yeah. Um, like I said, before we, we invest, I'm not saying we as in the church here, but as a whole I think the church has spent far more time trying to get kids out of church than into church. What can we do practically where the kids are acknowledged, acknowledged positively, um, not not put on a pedestal, not applauded, not um, made to be anything um, beyond what we should to build up their ego or anything like that. But what can we, can we practically do to acknowledge them? And sometimes that's just as simple as, you know, letting an older kid do a Bible reading in church. Other kids seeing that happen go, oh, that's that's nice. There's a child up there who can... Yeah, so, we, and so incorporating them into the... Children as part of worship. worship. Yeah. You know, doing a kid's talk I think is fantastic yeah. um, because that gives gets you to kill a couple of burns with one stone in the sense of... The kids are present. There's all these kids sitting down the front of the church often. Yeah. But you're also explaining the gospel usually very simply to yes. adults in the room um, who might not be Christian as well. Yeah. But children, again, they're feeling present, they're feeling welcome. Um, it, it might be as simple as, you know, if, if you're seeing them around, just acknowledging them, get to know their yeah. name just like yes. you would an adult, yeah. interact with them like a human being. Yeah. Um, see them as someone made in the image of God, not someone to be put up with or endured, yeah. but someone is a, a great gift from God. And if the, and if the children don't have Christian parents over time, again, been instructed in the faith in a limited way, like God knows this, right? Like he has He has the capacity to do an amazing work over time, but yeah, the, God's community is called to be a part of those children's lives and to grow into that as they get older. Mm. Um, okay, let's think also about people who... Either single people who don't have children, couples without kids, or yeah. older couples who've had young kids but don't anymore, and and, and they've, they've left the home. How can they be involved mm. in like discipling young people? Yeah, I, again, going back to the Great Commission, no one gets out of that. Um, if we're here to make disciples, and that is the whole aim of us, and it's all people because Jesus said, "Let the little children come to let me." Let the little children come to me. And then. We don't get out of it. Like as far as <laughs> there's no there's no palming off in the sense of okay, I don't have kids of my own, therefore children in general are not my responsibility. We're all responsible to provide a safe environment for children, especially in a church. Um, in general, I think in a whole community, we're responsible for children, but in a church especially, we should be so welcoming and providing of a safe 
environment, but also an environment where children can ask questions, you know, where they can interact yep. with us and where we can interact with them. And that applies to everyone. I think there's uh, great opportunities in seasons of life to be in ministry to children. Um, and that can be any... That doesn't. There doesn't have to be a specific life context where you have to have children then to minister to children or um, even when you do have children that you then have to take a break. Well, and there's a lot of advantages yeah. to when you don't have children to actually invest in lives of children because hopefully you would have some more availability perhaps with less dependence. Yes. Yeah. Whatever stage, single, if, if you're a couple that doesn't have kids or um, older who mm. may have had kids in the past but don't anymore, to actually go, hey, I'll put my hand up and, and serve as part of a children's ministry or a kids' club. I'll get involved in that. And, and look, like you run this ministry. Like let's, let's say someone's listening to this and they've never done something like that before but they say, hey, there's, there's something here that God wants me I could possibly be useful in. Where do I start? Start small. Like just have a conversation. Like there's, there's no... yeah. Is it the like road turn is, up and yeah, ask how can yeah, I help? Yeah, and there's no there's no sense of um, I suppose you have to go straight into <laughs> to understanding all the curriculum that we use or anything like that. There's there's, there's avenues to help. Obviously, there's there's criteria. There is definitely criteria in this day and age, and I think in a very appropriately, there's clearances that are necessary to work yeah, with children. Yeah, but but, but if but if, if but you want to serve, if there's a desire there, just to have moved. the conversation. I also. Well, I say it's not ministry doesn't just happen on a Sunday. Yes. You know what? What can you do if you're a single? If you're a couple without? How children? can you help a family? How can you help a family? How can you? And you can learn not to be a babysitter. A babysit. How can you? You know, be involved in children's lives where yeah. you invest in them. Yeah. Um, because children need adults around yeah. them. They need their parents. Yeah. Um, but they need adults around them who can then see living out their faith and doing that consistently and with love and compassion and care for them. Yeah. Look, this has been uh, really uh, insightful and helpful, I think, just to see that you know God loves children. He's, he's, he's always had a plan uh, for children. We've all been children. <laughs> he, he has been also. I think and, and even, yeah. I God think that's something we need to. Yeah. I mean, that's an amazing thought. That we could mm. do a whole podcast on that too. Um. Thank you so much for spending some time and helping us to think about renewal in the family, uh, Luke. May God bless your family uh, and you as you lead out in ministry, helping to equip uh, our church and and, um, Christian people about how to make disciples of these uh, young people who Jesus treasures. So thanks so much. Thank you for being a part of this episode of Renewal, the podcast. If you want to connect with us, please send an email, comment, or like the podcast on whatever format you get it from. We'd really appreciate it this week if you would rate and review the podcast. This is a way that more people can find out about Renewal and how God is shaping us through greater trust in Jesus and the work of His gospel. We'll see you next time.